I know a lot about golf. It's time for those weekend golf guys. Well, we're waiting. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Here's John Ashton and Jeff Smith. It is us, like the man said, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. There is a plethora of folks in our lobby at the moment that will be guests coming up a little bit later on in the show. James Hong, who's a great teacher up in New York somewhere. Mark Mattingly, who is... He's with Landscapes Unlimited. He is the vice president of business development. He is the big cheese. Really? You think he'd have a bigger office with a title yeah. like that, man? What's going on there? Got, got some, some news. First off, I I just received an email. You know, whenever you miss any of the programs here on SB Nation, you can always go to thoseweekendgolfguys.com and check it out at the podcast version. And I have just received a thing from, from, from a company called Feedspot that we are one of the top 25 golf podcasts in the world. Really? According to their panelists and their listeners. Well, their, their panelists are really smart. Aren't they, though? Yeah, genius I, people, I, I swear. I gotta say, Faraday came in a little bit above us on the list, but that's okay, man. Oh, he's just got a TV gig. That's it. That's it. He's just like quasi-famous. And I also want to say, one of our listeners let me know today that they have started a new Facebook group, and they would like us all to participate with them. It is What's called that? The League of Exceptionally Average Golfers. <laughs> <laughs> Our show fits right in. <laughs> and man. that's what they said. They said, hey, <laughs> this is right up your alley, guys. So check it out on Facebook. Look for the League of Exceptionally Average Golfers. And it's just that? a nice place. They just want to set up some place where we can all come in, talk, maybe make some new friends, maybe find some new people to play with that, you know, we can beat now and again. That would be novel. Yeah, you know, share some tips, some tricks, some techniques. And maybe Jeff will come in every once in a while and just admonish everybody to practice with purpose. And then we'll <laughs> say to practice. And we'll say, Jeff, that's 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 pretty obnoxious, man. Go away. You know, <laughs> you break eighty on a regular basis. You do not belong here. You're and out. You're out. You're out of here. And you're, good, you're out. <laughs> but we're going to talk about uh, the state of the golf business. Actually, you know, I've got a golf course I can see from my window here in the house. It's it's got about a half an inch of snow covering it. At the moment, a little early for that, but that's okay. It gets to be wintertime in the Mid-South, Midwest area. It's time to head out to Arizona, Florida, or somewhere like that. Right now, you need to hang out for about another 57 minutes because we're going to be talking golf for another hour right here. We are those weekend golf guys, and we want you to hang with us. We will be right back. We are live in the Cut Golf Studio, so don't you move. You watch golf on TV, you're going to see golf ball commercials, and you're going to see pros like Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, telling you you should buy the golf ball that they think is the absolute best. And I wonder, how much do they pay these guys? And then I realize, you know, the golf ball companies don't pay these guys. We do. Every time we pay $40, $45, $50 for a dozen golf balls that someone told us is the absolute best, a large chunk of that goes to these guys who are already millionaires. A top-of-the-line, tour-quality, four-piece, urethane-covered golf ball that's long off the tee and easy to control around the greens should cost you about 20 bucks for a dozen. And if you buy it from Cut Golf, that's exactly what it will cost. CutGolfCo.com. Use the coupon code Weekend Golf Guys, and it will cost you even less than twenty bucks. I can get you two bucks off every dozen you buy. The more you buy, the more you save. I just made that phrase up. CutGolfCo.com. Use the code Weekend Golf Guys. 
Uh, those weekend golf guys, it is us, John Ashton, along with Jeff Smith. I want to welcome in two guests to the show right now. Uh, one of Jeff's teaching compatriots, and I understand that you're probably a little bit better teacher than Jeff. James. He's a, he's a, a teacher extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire from Queens, New York. New York, New he York. Is, uh, he is the director of I'm Good at Teaching Everybody Everything About Golf. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I've heard it's stories, a- James, and I have a question. Go oh, ahead. <laughs> Duncan or Krispy Kremes? Oh, uh, well... If you've got another hour for the show, <laughs> see, I grew up in New England, man. There was a Dunkin' Donuts like every fifty-seven feet, and then I moved <laughs> south, and it was Krispy Kreme land. So I'm torn, but I'll I'll go with whatever's close. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably favor the Krispy Kreme or the Tim Hortons. Ooh, that, that, ooh, that's, look at that! Uh, see. Did you see that the day after they legalized pot in Canada, Tim Hortons ran out of donuts? That was bad planning on somebody's part, though. (laughs) You think somebody could have prepared a little bit better for that. That's exactly right. Somebody was just not coming up with the right ideas. And Mark Mattingly is also with us here, who is vice president of landscapes something or other. He is uh, his vice president of business development for mm. Landscapes Unlimited. It's a management company out there. They've got scads of golf courses that they're under under their control all over the country. So, Mark, you uh, do do you look for new golf courses that you can take over, or do you build new golf courses, or just manage existing golf courses, or? What's your business model look like over there these days, Guy? Well, John, I could just about say yes to any one of those questions. But okay. we, uh, we're really the nation's largest builder, uh, first and foremost. We go back um, all the way to 1976 and, and still do a, a good deal of renovation work here in the U.S. Most of the new golf course construction that's going on presently is happening outside of the country, but there's still a handful of, of new projects each year in the U.S. that we uh, bid on and have the opportunity to participate with. But a lot of work we do on the construction side of our business uh, is renovation uh, and irrigation work today. So yes, we do that. But I work primarily with a division that offers uh, golf management services uh, around the country. And as Jeff said, we have about 50 uh, plus clients today in 20 states uh, around the country. Uh, of those, uh, a handful of those properties um, are owned by us. We have about 10 that we own and operate today and the other 40 are uh, 40 plus or third party clients uh, that we provide management services to. Some of those are full management clients, uh, really soup to nuts the entire operation, and some are more specific to uh, certain needs they have in either food and beverage, accounting services, marketing, membership development, and that's a, a fractional piece of our business that we offer called Landscape Select when you're just looking for a, some improvement in a particular area versus mm-hmm. the whole whole club being managed. So, so Mark, you said about 20 states. So you guys are pretty picky. So you're, you're like forgetting uh, Alaska, I assume? <laughs> Staying out of there? Just haven't been able to punch through there. That's a, that's a big growth market, but uh, yeah. haven't made it in there yet. Any, anyone with a season shorter than three months, they stay away from, Jeff. You know? <laughs> I'm just, just checking. I didn't know if they were, you know, equal opportunity <laughs> business development or not. I, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Mark, you know, there's there's a lot of, of public golf courses that are out there right now. And, you know, we hear all kinds of things from different kinds of markets. You know, somebody's doing well and somebody's struggling. And wh- where do you see things right now? As you sit, you're you're looking at, you know, pretty much the whole country and, and you're pretty plugged in. Well, I would say that the majority of the public facilities that we have the opportunity to speak to truly are struggling um, to be able to just remain profitable and reinvest 
in their facilities. A lot of the facilities um, are aging, as we all do, and um, there hasn't been a lot of capital reinvestment uh, over the last decade or so since the recession of 2008-2009. And so they're all looking to, to be more profitable, but unfortunately, as you know, um, interest in the game is, is waning a little bit right now. I think we're all working toward uh, correcting that, but that takes time. Uh, to develop new players. And in the meantime, there's a lot of pressure on these facilities to uh, remain not only profitable enough to cash flow current operations, but how do we address mowers that are aging, uh, bunkers that are no longer have much sand in them, they're mostly dirt, and, and other issues with irrigation systems that are significant and they're on the immediate horizon. So that's, um, that's true throughout most of the public facilities um, in the U.S. today, that they're all looking at those issues. Hey, Mark, so you said you're trying to, to, you're trying to, to develop more players. So have you guys perfected a way to clone guys like James Hong and guys like me to, to help that happen? I, you, you guys worked on that yet? <laughs> I thought James just had it handled. He's extraordinary. <laughs> he is, but he's just one guy. I'm we'll counting on you, James I, just to push it across the country. I don't think my head can get out of this car right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on a serious note, Jeff, to your, to your point, we, we certainly have some golf professionals at all of our facilities, you know, working to grow the game whenever they can. And it's, we talk about it all the time. We'll be having a general manager conference here in a couple months in our home office, and it'll be emphasized again that, that we can't say enough about that. And, and we're trying to offer golf in schools where we can and a number of other uh, programs and there's some great ones that the PGA has put forward in the last couple of years that we we take advantage of but it's it's a slow process and that that may take 10 or 15 years to bear significant financial fruit for our clients and that that's why in the meantime uh, our management services are there to help them be more efficient in their operations we can we can bring buying power to the table and then help them more effectively market uh, to the golfers that are out there uh, and can be swayed to, to their property versus others in their market we can play golf here I think the average green fees here in the uh, Louisville Kentucky area about uh, 40 bucks how's that relate nationwide on an average i'm sure you've got some numbers stuck in your head what's what's it normally cost to play at a at a public golf course average around the country yeah john and again it it probably depends on whether we're talking about privately owned daily fee or municipalities or what we often refer to as upscale public golf but i think in the municipal space and, and those that compete against municipal i would say anywhere from 30 dollars to about 45 Okay. Is there is a pretty average range uh, throughout the U.S. Those that are at at that thirty dollar range really need to be hosting north of thirty thousand rounds to, to have much chance to be able to cash flow operations. And those that are in the you know the forty to forty five can operate at, at twenty five to to thirty thousand rounds. But anything north of thirty gives you an opportunity in the public space to be successful if you're you're wise uh, with your, you know, your operating expenses. You, you've got the, the, the rock and the hard place. You've got the operators who need the, the increased cash flow to, like you say, you know, replace the mowers and the irrigation systems and stuff like that. But you also have golfers who, very casual golfers, who for 30, 35 bucks, yeah, they'll play. But you get into 50, 55, and suddenly they're going to go bowling or something. You know, it's it's got to be tough. Yeah, that tension exists, as you say, all over the country. And um, as we have a, a good part of the population that grew up playing golf and, and the baby boomers moving into retirement, you know, they're also feeling the, the pressure of a fixed income. And so mm -hmm. they're looking for an affordable way to play. And that, unfortunately, I understand why they do it, but it puts more down pressure on profitability because uh, they're only going to play 
so many rounds, and if they're playing at a senior rate of twenty-five dollars, well, then that's that makes it that much more difficult uh, yeah, when we're dealing with you know that dollars per round. So that's uh, you know any any high-level mucky muck uh, ideas going on on how to fix that with you guys? Well, Jeff and I have discussed this in the past. That, you know, some of this is a market correction issue that we we got overbuilt in the late '90s and early 2000s, and most of us in the industry know that story. So I mm-hmm. won't spend too much time there, but that happened. Um, it was a bit of a, a, a knee-jerk reaction to the Tiger Woods era and right. the uh, exposure of golf on television. And that did cause a boom of awareness in the game of golf, but it, it only produced an incremental amount of additional rounds. And yet we continued to build facilities and we outpaced the interest from a rounds perspective with too many facilities. Well, yeah. a market correction is going on today and has been for the last six or seven years where we're dropping about 150 clubs around the country a year and that's going to continue uh until the market stabilizes and um that's that's no fun if you're the owner yeah. of one of those uh, definitely... for those of us that are managing <laughs> for those of us that are managing clubs that are still operating and, and and us as management companies are that's one of the things that i share with folks is we're here to help you weather that storm and come out the other side because we will come out the other side as an industry and yeah. things will stabilize and we'll be able to then charge the the appropriate rate and have the the correct amount of traffic at the facilities to be able to reinvest and, and stay healthy in the future. But we're just in the middle of the correction right now. Oh, cool. One of the things, we're going to take a quick break right here, but one of the things I want to ask all y'all when we come back is I would I would think that one of the ways to grow this game is to get more women involved more seriously. And maybe we can talk about some of the uh, ideas y'all have on how to do that too when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys and we are coming right back. Right now we are live in the Cut Golf Studios and we expect you to be back on the other side of this. Don't you move I got an email just the other day. Guy said, John, how much does it cost to join $5 Golf Club? Yeah, that's what I said too. $5, hence the name, $5 Golf Club. All right? It's not just $5 to get in and then we hit you with more. No, $5 this month, next month, and every month that you feel you need to become a member and stay a member to get to where you want to be in your golf game. Whether you want to break 100, break 90, break 80, break 70, whatever your number is, Jeff Smith has the videos there now and new videos coming every week that will help you accomplish that goal. Okay? $5golfclub.com. Use the number $5golfclub.com. That's all it costs. $5 a month. Phenomenal golf instruction at a ridiculously low price. That's us, $5golfclub.com. Yeah, John Ashton here. He is Jeff Smith, along with uh, special guests James Hong and Mark Mattingly. Uh, We're talking golf and how to get more people to play golf because the more people that play, the less it's going to cost all of us to play and the more places we're going to have to play. It's a law of supply and demand. It's economics, which comes into play way too too much in golf, I'm afraid, because it is a business. You know, here we are talking about this this supply and demand issue, John. It's Mm -hmm. pretty easy to think that we have to do something more about increasing the supply. Yeah. You know, that's where guys like, like James comes in. He produces golfers. You know, and I, I think, and this is my own humble yet nevertheless expert opinion, is that I believe that once you get someone to a golf course, put a golf club in their hand, show them how to swing it and let them do it, suddenly you have maybe not a golfer yet, but a golf addict. 
you know, does that mean that you're advocating that we always started off for free? Psst, come here. Come here, kid. Yeah. <laughs> here, try this. Is that? <laughs> is, that where, is that where you're headed? It works in many other industries. I just don't see why we can't do it here. But, James, do you see that happening? I mean, how long does it normally take until the lights go off in the eyes of some of your students and they're like, yeah, I want to, I, I, I got to do this. This is great. Yeah, I think I think it's you're you're trying to draw them in, as you say, and and give them something, give give them a reason to come back. It's yeah. we're trying to show them that it's a fun game, not only to learn but to play. Exactly. And I think sometimes what happens from the instruction side of it is is we we tend to forget that, and uh, it's like we were saying in the previous segment, we we kind of got all blown away by the Tiger Woods effect. Now that that's kind of subsided a little bit, we want to give them incentive. We want to give golfers incentive to keep coming back and. Sometimes it isn't being a really technical lesson. Sometimes it's just, well, just if you just advance the ball forward, you're going to be better off than what you were about 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, James has the ability to, to work with a lot of, he, he works with a lot of younger kids and turning them into golfers mm-hmm. where an awful lot of instructors out there are not willing to, um, to work with, with, um, you know, the, the kids that are from fifth grade on up into high school. And yet, as Mark was talking about earlier, you know, we, we know these things. We have to have this, oh, shall we say golfer replenishment program? You know, <laughs> we got to keep, we got to keep people coming. Right. You know, at, at all ages. And, and some people like me, I work with an awful lot of uh, teenagers all the way through the adults because, you know, we're looking at it like, sure, we're building for the future. And I'm not saying that James only does, only works with kids, but I'm saying he does such a great job there in, in the fact that we've got to have people coming where we need more teachers all over the place working with people who can play the game right now as well as building toward the future. It has mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. across the board here too. Oh, yeah. Because that, you know, like Mark was mentioning, hey, look, it's, we need immediate supply too, because a lot of these golf courses, they're, they're cash flowing pretty close to the line there you know it's pretty tough you've got it can't all be junior fees no if we're getting the people out on the golf course just to kind of get a feel of what what it is to be out there and or just showing them what you have to do and and i'm not talking about from 400 yards it could be from 25 yards it could be from 25 feet from the hole and just having them get that experience it 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 really is uh, an enlightening moment for, for not only the golf teacher, but also the player. You know, Mark, we're talking about different segments, right, of, of development of different kinds of players. John mentioned earlier, you know, the ladies market, and we're talking about the, the, the younger kids. But isn't there somebody else, another group of people that you're out there that you're trying to trying to grab as golfers? <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you trying to look at the, the, the Mark, the you didn't study. Out there and play now? <laughs> Aren't you trying to look at the people who can who can just get out there and play the, the retirees? Are we still are we still going after guys like that? Oh, absolutely. That's I mean that's a significant focus of our our marketing plans at all of our facilities today is to not only reach out to the uh, the retirees, which that requires a particular type of marketing um, that, that's more traditional um, uh, that you would see in, in newspapers and radio and, and things that we're all familiar with from the past, and yet we're also trying to reach women and, and children and, and millennials uh, through a more technical or technology-based platform through social media. So it's, it requires being able to kind of play in all of those spaces uh, to attract a, a variety of uh, demographics. James, yep. when, you, uh, when you're doing some of your promotional material for your 
your uh, your group clinics uh, and and that, and you're going after the older clientele. How do you shift things from the the different age ranges that you work with? How do you shift your your marketing? How do you do it? What I try to do is is I try to tap into what is it they the the golfer wants. So it it may not be something like well fix your swing in five easy lessons. It might be wouldn't it be great to be able to enjoy a round of golf with your friends uh, for the first time this year or something along that lines. It's, it's sort of figuring out like what Simon Sinek says is about what's the why it's just getting them, it, it, telling them, wouldn't it be great to have fun with your family again? Wouldn't it be great to beat, beat that guy for the first time this year mm-hmm. and, and drawing them into, into those programs. And it's, it's amazing how when you tap into that, the people just kind of come in and say, Hey, I saw your, your flyer the other day. And I was kind of, you kind of piqued my curiosity. Could you tell me a little bit more about what this program's about? And, and, and that's, that's something that just happens all year round. I mean, I'm, it's right now up here in New York, it's 40 degrees outside. The, the leaves are falling off the trees and I'm still getting phone calls and emails about some of the programs that are, that are being run here. And it's, it's like, wow, it's amazing that they, they still want to know about it now at this time of the year. You know, there's That's a, good. another thing, too, about developing players, whether they be young or just getting people who are already adults into the game, is that the um, the friendliness of a golf course in general, the, the atmosphere of the golf course, all the way from the parking lot, all the way into the pro shop, et cetera, is for people who are not really familiar with the game is sometimes very uh, daunting, um, almost to the point of, of being very intimidating. You guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It, it's some, I can see it on people, especially when I'm driving around in a cart and I see people there, new faces, for instance, and you can see there's 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 almost a look of fear mm-hmm. as if, does anybody see me here? I hope they don't see how bad I hit the ball or something like that. And I think that when you provide a warm atmosphere for people, it, it really does change people's perception of what's going on at your facility. I, I know like for instance, with little kids, I'll drive by and I'll I'll stop and I'll I'll give a kid a, a ball, I'll give him a, a, a golf ball and say this is yours, or I might drive up with a golf ball and say, is this your ball? Because I found this on the other side of the driving range just now and I didn't know who hit it. I think it's yours. And <laughs> you can see you can see the kid's face light up. You see the mom and the dad; they're so happy and and, and stuff. Or or I might just go up to another kid and say. Hey, I just saw this beautiful swing of yours. Can you show me that again? And give them like a quick five minute, 10 minute tip and say, and, and just send them off or give them a, 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 like about 20 balls and say, what I just showed you, I want you to keep practicing that. Okay. Yeah. Good job. And go away. Or sometimes what I'll do is like Jeff's seen me be a little nuts where I'll be driving by in the driving range and I'll see some, let's say we were talking about women's golf and there's a woman there in the corner hitting a golf ball and I'll scream out at the top of my lungs. It's like, that was really good. Mrs. Johnson. That was awesome. That looked beautiful. You're, you're doing a great job. And she says, Oh, thank you. So she's looking around. Who's screaming at me? And, <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah. just, just things like that. Just providing a warm atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. Greet them from the time they pull into the parking lot and make them feel comfortable. Um, exactly. Another thing that someone once suggested uh, about with women is women tend to not like to do things alone. So, you know, Mark, maybe all, all your courses, you want to have like a buy one, get one. Because women who buy shoes know what a BOGO is, man. 
<laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. I mean, just just anything to bring you know, you know, bring bring women up because it is the smallest demographic by percentage of golfers, and it probably is the one demographic that has the most room for growth. I would think. But then I'm a radio guy, not a golf guy, so you know, what do I know? You know, I think that sometimes we need to create um, some really interesting programs that get people in. James and I have talked about this in the past, and I know that uh, on occasion Mark has listened to me say a couple things that were a, a little bit out there. But, you know, some of the times we create a clinic for people just to draw interest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, James and I were talking about this one, um, I can't remember, a year plus ago, about a club throwing clinic. And, um, you know, to, to know that, you know, to, to it, people show up, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's the technique talk, whether it's, you know, it's get the shaft a little bit more vertical, you know, Mark, do you do it? Are you more of a sidearm guy or are you a diagonal guy? Are you a over the top tomahawk guy? Which way do you chuck it the farthest? When, when I, I'm, I'm more of the uh, sidearm helicopter stuff. I found it breaks less shafts that way if it's running kind of, you know, okay. parallel to the ground. It can kind of land and spin out without <laughs> – that takes a lot of experience, by the way, to know that. Yeah. That's right. How about the release point on that, though? I mean, I mean the, from a directional standpoint, don't you have issues with that if, 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 you're, if you're an early releaser or a late releaser? Don't you have trouble? <laughs> Getting that thing in the right place. Does the wind affect uh, aluminum shafts as much as it does, you know, composite shafts and stuff like that? We, we, these are things it we need to know. It seem to bother mine. Right. I, I tend to get a very predictable carry distance out of mine. And, and Jeff, I just think with enough practice, you can you can perfect that release point. I, I just don't have any problem at all. I probably could. Jeff, it occurs to me that you were actually making fun of me because I believe you were there for one of my helicopters that went a little left into the woods now that I think about it. And I have to say... Remember, that was a rental set, and the grips were too small. And I think we all know that's that right. can cause you to hook your that's shot. Right it really was my fault. Had that been my stick, it would have been right up the middle. Okay. Well, that's his story, and he's sticking to it. <laughs> all right. Well, we will be back very shortly with these dudes. It's going to be a more fun conversations coming up with those weekend golf guys. Fly from the Cut Golf Studios. Don't you move an inch. Be right back. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us. And you want to make us real happy, just go there and interact with us. Facebook.com slash golf guys. You want to see how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? It's very easy. $5golfclub.com. The number $5golfclub.com. This past Sunday, my buddy Kevin and I were playing golf, and he was playing his first ever round using a cut golf golf ball. He was using a cut golf black, which is a model name, not a color. It's a white ball, urethane cover, four-piece construction, tour quality compared to all the ones that you pay 50 bucks a dozen for. You're going to pay $19.99 a dozen for these. They're going to get a lot of distance off the tee. You're going to get a whole lot of control around the greens, just as you would expect in a $50 golf ball, but this one you're only going to pay 20 bucks a dozen for. Well, Kevin got his first ever race. Let's see, his first ever round with a cut golf golf ball and his first ever ace. Coincidence? Hmm. I'll leave that up to you to decide. I can get you a deal, however. $19.99 a dozen for tour-quality golf balls that are absolutely wonderful. 
if you just go to CutGolfCo.com. That's CutGolfCo.com. Use a code WEEKENDGOLFGUYS when you check out and you'll get 10% off. Hey, we're back. Hope you all. There you are. Thank you very much for sticking with us. We are those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith, along with Mark Mattingly. Why can't I remember? Executive Vice President of, of Business Development. Business Development. Landscapes Unlimited. Yes. That's, he runs golf write. courses. Yeah. He's got to write that down. And James Hongu is a great yes. golf instructor. Golf instructor extraordinaire, I believe, is your official title. I've seen your business card. Uh, <laughs> in Queens, New York, New York. I grew up in New York, New York, and I just can't for the life of me figure out how there weren't a whole lot of golf courses around. You know, do you see people schlepping their bags and their sticks on the subway to go out to Long Island or wherever they got to go to uh, to play golf? Yeah, actually, you'll see people on the Long Island Railroad going from Penn Station in Manhattan and then traveling all the way out to Long Island, taking any one of those those, uh, train lines. You'll also see people on the subway going up up to the Bronx and playing at Mashalu or Dikers or one of those places up there. That kind of makes golf like an all-day affair for a New Yorker. Got to leave early, you get home late, don't you? Yeah, because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, hey, get your hands off my clubs, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess some of the guys on the subway with their clubs are not really golfers. They're just protecting themselves. There you go. Always oh, nice. You could just see the subway. Yo, buddy, the bag <laughs> is in my oh, food. Is that the new Callaway driver? That looks good. <laughs> yeah, you know. With real estate prices in New York, I would imagine that there aren't a whole lot of $35 and $40 greens fees in the New York metropolitan area. Are there, James? I think it depends on where you go. If you go to one of the, the, the public golf courses that are owned by the New York City Parks Department, mm-hmm. they have some nice greens fees for residents of new york as well as seniors and juniors mm-hmm. so it's it's not unusual to see let's say a clearview golf course which is which is near where i live have something like 65 70 000 rounds in a year Whew. okay that's crazy yeah they're they're open it's like you, you if you drove around here december 25th you'll see the golf course there'll be about five or six people playing in ski clothes and everything and they don't care. They'll they'll walk around. They'll play. Yeah. Wow. You know, I was out there a couple of years ago with my son, a couple of summers ago, and uh, we stopped at this at this really cool public golf course in Brooklyn, and it was called Marine Park. I've never had uh, a more fun experience on a on a public golf course. It was a great layout, and we got to play with a couple of Army vets, and we got to play on a couple of holes where the Empire State Building is in the background, and it's your target. It's on your target line on one of the par threes. And you look at that and you're like, okay, how, how many golf courses could say that? Well, there's, it's one really in, cool. there's one in New Jersey, isn't there, that has the same vista? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not very many golf courses no. is what I'm saying. No, it? exactly. It's, it's really cool. Exactly. And it was it's, a pretty yeah. affordable golf course. You know, they – Yeah, that's actually one of the New York City public golf courses I was talking about. And it's the views are amazing. And some of these other courses like uh, Pelham and Split Rock up a – in the Bronx, they like you'll you'll get out in the middle of the golf course and think you're not in New York anymore. You'll think you're somewhere else, yeah. and it's it's like you can't believe where you are. James, how many uh, city-owned courses are there in New York area? To be of- honest with you, the last time I checked, had to be 
I'd say around 14 or 15. I don't know if that mm. number's changed at all. That's. I haven't heard any of, I, I have not heard anything about any of them closing because like I said, they're, they're doing fine. They're, they're doing yeah. like anywhere from 35 to 65, 75,000 rounds a year. Which is wow. what you have to do in that case. I just wanted to, to do a little shout out, shout out to, uh, cause Louisville city we live in is, uh, substantially smaller than New York, New York. We have nine city owned golf courses here. A number of them, I think four of them are, are nine hole courses, but one of them, Cherokee, um, no, Crescent Hill, either Crescent Hill or Cherokee, one of those two, um, was built in 1873. I think Daniel Boone helped design it. I'm not sure. Wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, golf has been an integral part of life in this part of the world since time immemorial, basically. Uh, Mark, do you guys find it difficult to compete with municipal courses, or do you have any municipalities that say, hey, this is a pain we don't need. Come in and run our courses for us. Oh, yeah, John, absolutely. We, I would say about 20% of our portfolio are, are municipal-based clients, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they're coming to the conclusion that um, what they thought in the 90s when they uh, many of them were built, some of the newer ones anyway, right. uh, would be a revenue source for the parks. It's now becoming a drain. It, it's uh, something that they're having to fund losses um, out of the uh, general uh, operations budget for the city. And so they're looking for someone to come in and at least stabilize operations, if not help them get back to some limited profitability. So yeah, that's that's about 10% of our client base. That, right. I know there was sure. a, a little argument around here. Some people are saying, how come tennis players get to play in the city park for free and we have to pay? Golfers have to pay. That just wasn't fair, you know. But what can I say? Mark, does your company have? Well, um, does your company manage any any golf courses out in out in James Hong's area? You know, I mean, he's out there in Queens. There's a ton of ton of golf courses out there. Have you guys ventured out in that direction yet? Well, I was kind of thinking James was going to you know open some doors for me, but he had you know hadn't helped me out a bit yet. So. <laughs> Come on, James, an introduction or two. It couldn't hurt, buddy. Come on, man. <laughs> no, Jeff, we, we don't have something in James's market right now, but we, we certainly would love to. And uh, if, you know, James would just introduce me to somebody over a donut, I think we could get something done. <laughs> That's a great idea. You know, and then, then you could just bring him in as a director of, of fun and player development. And the next thing you know, you guys would be making money hand over fist. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you're you're assuming that dropping my name actually opens the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys are in the business. I'm not in the business. I am just an avid golfer. But one thing I got to say is that if on a corporate basis, if you guys started trying to just promote how much fun this game is rather than you know, how well you can play if you practice hard or all this kind of stuff, just how much fun it is, no matter how well or badly you play. I think you would probably turn off a lot less people because it, it looks like a, it looks like an easy game when you watch it on TV, but the first time you pick up a club and you try to hit a ball and it goes nowhere or you miss it entirely, you go later for this and you walk away. Um, just, just the, the fun element of it isn't, I don't think it is promoted enough or pushed enough or, made more important or whatever is proper there. So I think you need a director of fun is what I'm trying to say. That was a good idea. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll, I'll jot that down as one of my better ideas. Thank you very much. 
keep that on tap. And also, nice. yeah, I was going to say it's. A, I think that some of the some of the culprits to that is is the TV coverage because the way things look now is is everything you see on TV is is everyone's making every putt, everyone's hitting the ball to five feet. You're basically only seeing highlights. Right. And so the per- public perception is, oh, that's that's what good golfer looks like. That's what a good golfer looks like right there. And I don't do that, so therefore I must suck. And yeah. that's the case at all. If, if what I would do is actually very quietly with the networks, just tell them one of these hours, try to quietly show 50% of the time good shots and 50% of the time poor shots. So that Loopers, people can actually see the so, human side of it. That, why, that's I mean, right. Why do people love the U.S. Open? Because it's so difficult for the players. Mm-hmm. They love watching the winners shoot six over par. Yep. Except for the last couple of years where it's been a little bit unreasonable out there. But it's, other than that, it's, if the people want to see the players struggle, but if we don't show them that, that they're, they're to, some, to some extent similar to us as regular golfers, then they're looking at something that's an ideal that they feel like they can't attain. So why even bother? Right. And the other thing is people get so frustrated because they see, you know, the, the Dennis Johnsons of the world out there with their uh, tailor-made drivers or Titleist or whatever he's playing these days, hit a 360-yard drive and think it's the equipment because that's what the commercials in between the segments tell them. That, yeah, you know, those, those ads are pretty good, right? Because You they, use they this ball, you use this club, you wear these shoes, and you'll be able to play like this. Hey, and you the, like Mike, baby. That's the Nike And the first time anybody right there dumps a thousand bucks on that stuff and goes out and finds out that ain't true, then there's um, a little bit of resentment going on there, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's kind of funny how like a certain player that was number one for the longest time talks, you know, he, he has commercials out for the ball that he's using now talking about how it's the longest ball out there. Yet those of us in the business know that that same player likes the ball that spins a lot because he wants to work the ball rather than hit it further. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it doesn't kind of jive right with me when he's, when he's on his, when he's doing his commercials about the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that the, the, um, uninformed golfers or at least the, the, the naive golfers don't understand. And uh, we fall prey to and, that all the time. Which is why they keep buying those ads, I would imagine. You know. Yeah, I mean, I going back to what I was saying about watching the golfers fail out there. Well, maybe fail is the wrong word, but just showing that even professionals can struggle. I'll, I'll tell my students go out and watch a pro tournament and watch them. Don't watch the leaders. Go out and watch the guys that are on the bottom of the leaderboard and watch them play and you watch them struggle. Mm-hmm. Watch them hit the ball in the trees, but also see how they recover from those shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I just got an email the other day from a junior of mine who was playing in a tournament, and I was laughing at it because he said, yeah, my putting from 10 feet was really bad. Um, I only made about 50% of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, Wait yeah. a minute. Wait a minute. He thinks that's bad. <laughs> right. So I, I messaged him right back, like, well, you're better than the PGA Tour. And then he, he messages me right back with, I just felt like, they all could have gone in, and I said every good putt feels like they should go in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we always keep score by how many we miss, 
just by a little bit. That's what golfers do. You know, it's one of those things you could have your best round of golf. Mark, you know what I'm about to say. You could go out there and shoot 70 and have it be a fantastic day. And the first thing you do is you say, man, that one on 15, I should have had that. I should have had that. Should have been 69. Yeah. Right. Because that's what golfers are. They, they, they sit there and they'll dwell on the, the one that got away. Yeah. And, yeah. and as, as acting like all the other good things that happen, right? To play, to play well enough to shoot 70. And all of a sudden, instead of saying, man, I hit a lot of really great ones today and all these things went my way. Nope. They act like those things were, of course, they're going to happen because I've just got that level of skill. Right. And exactly. they just sit there and go after that one on 15. Mm-hmm. I yeah. should have. I should have had a 69. I should have, could have, would have. Yeah, no matter what. Even though you've never broken 80 in your life, you have a really good day. (laughs) And you missed that 73 because of those seven putts you missed. (laughs) Right. You know, and sometimes, you know, you're out there on number, I don't know, I think it's number four. You get out there on four and you hit a shot you just don't like. Even it's during a great round of golf and then all of a sudden the club just, it's gone. It's all of a sudden, I don't know where it went. But somewhere over in the left trees or something like that. Mark, here's here's a lesson for you, man. Don't play golf with Jeff unless you want it all to be made public. This is what it's like. He's, what are we talking about here? He's totally ruined my, I mean, made my reputation. <laughs> I was just giving Mark a, say, a chance to get a, a good glimpse of, you know, I played golf with John a couple of times. And, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I never threw a club. Mark, Mark trees, but did you make the distance? <laughs> all right, we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. You do too. We're in the Cut Golf Studios. We're those weekend golf guys. Don't you move. You want to see how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? It's very easy. $5golfclub.com. The number $5golfclub.com. I got an email just the other day. Guy said, John, how much does it cost to join $5 Golf Club? Yeah, that's what I said too. $5. Hence the name, $5 Golf Club. All right. It's not just $5 to get in and then we hit you with more. No. Five dollars this month, next month, and every month that you feel you need to become a member and stay a member to get to where you want to be in your golf game. Whether you want to break a hundred, break ninety, break eighty, break seventy, whatever your number is, Jeff Smith has the videos there now and new videos coming every week that will help you accomplish that goal. Okay? Five dollar golfclub.com. Use the number five dollargolfclub.com that's all it costs five dollars a month phenomenal golf instruction at a ridiculously low price that's us five dollargolfclub.com and it is us those we get golf guys a few moments together yet listen man i want to thank mark mattingly and uh, james hall you see Golfers do have a personality. Golf teachers, golf operators, you know, they're fun they guys to hang out with, you know? Hey, yeah. it's a game, man. We, it all, is. we all came for the game. That's it. It's a game and it is fun. Mm-hmm. That being the operative consideration, it being fun. Of course, you know, the equipment you need, you don't, you don't need to go out and spend a couple of gajillion dollars on the latest and the greatest. 
last year's driver was the latest and the greatest until this year's driver came out, right? That's right. So last year's driver is still pretty darn good. Yeah, that's the thing they don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to tell you that that the one that's coming out is it, and then they kind of disown the last one. Yeah. Oh, like, you don't want second. that. Probably. What happened to that thing being really good? Is it was it like a shelf life on that thing or something? <laughs> it's spoiled. The expiration date <laughs> when we bring out the new one. <laughs> so especially if, if you're approaching this game as a newbie or with some fear and trepidation, uh, <clears throat> or you don't want to spend a whole lot of money on, on a game, don't. You can get great stuff cheap especially golf balls. You're going to look at the golf balls and you're going to go, $50 a dozen? What are they, crazy? That is the kind of golf ball you need, but you can get golf balls of that quality, of that style, of that design for $19.99 a dozen if you go to CutGolfCo.com. All right? They are sponsors of our show because they make great stuff and they sell it cheap. And you can get a 10% discount on every dozen you buy if you use the code those weekend golf guys when you check out. I don't know why you wouldn't use that thing. Free right. money, baby. I know, man. Yeah. I know. You know, if you have golfers on your list, buy a dozen for every one of them and pocket the two bucks yourself. Yeah, there you go. Just, well, or at least act like you're getting one for everybody and yeah. keep a couple for yourself. You could do that too. <laughs> Cutgolfco.com. And the uh, coupon code is those weekend golf guys in order for you to save 10% off your total order. All right. Next week, we will be back here. But in the interim, we need you to check us out at thoseweekendgolfguys.com or uh, facebook.com slash golfguys or on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys or the League of Exceptionally Average Golfers, the Facebook group. That sounds pretty cool. We got to go check that out. Yeah, we we definitely got to be there. I don't care if it's warm. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care if you're good. I don't care if you're bad. Go play some golf. <laughs> <laughs>